Hey, this is Andrew Emerson with Calvary Tabernacle. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Calvary Tabernacle Podcast. I'm Andrew Emerson, your host. This is our fourth episode, and this is a great episode that we have for you today. Things that God notices. Hey, to all of our subscribers out there, thank you, thank you so much for subscribing. We have gained a tremendous amount of subscribers of late, and we want to say thank you for subscribing to the Calvary Tabernacle Podcast All of our listeners and subscribers, we want to tell you today, happy holidays. Today is December the 6th. We're already done with Thanksgiving, folks, and we're headed towards Christmas just 19 days away, and yes, we are counting. We love the Christmas season around here. We love the holidays, especially Christmas, and we're excited about what God's going to do in the new year. Closing 2018 with a bang heading into 2019, expecting great things in the kingdom of God and at Calvary Tabernacle. So thank you you're here with us today. Hey, if you're a listener or a subscriber, could you leave us a review? Tell us what you think about the podcast. Maybe there's a particular episode so far that you've really enjoyed that ministered to you or changed your life. Tell us about it. And I want to start something new today. I want to leave my email in the description below. And I want to give you access to us. If you have a question about ministry, maybe about leadership, a scripture that's boggling your mind, or maybe something you're dealing with in life and you just need some answers, we want to leave my email for you. And if you have any questions at all, we want to do our best to answer it on the podcast. I'm going to get those questions to my pastor and we're going to answer those questions for you, even give you a shout-out on the podcast. I think that'd be a great addition to this podcast. And if you have not already subscribed, what are you doing? Go subscribe to the podcast today. You will not regret it. There's more episodes to come, more life-changing sermons, and even interview sessions with our pastor that is coming up. Cannot wait. I'm excited about what is going to take place in the podcast. So go subscribe. And if you haven't already, go to our Facebook page, like us and follow us on Facebook. We have two Facebook pages, one Calvary Tabernacle Beaumont and Calvary Tabernacle Winnie. Every Sunday at 11 o'clock, our Beaumont page goes live on Facebook so you can check in and listen to our pastor preach on Sunday. Or if you don't use Facebook, You could go to ctministries.org and catch our live broadcast there on Sunday at 10 and Wednesday at 7. Today, we have an awesome, life-changing message, and I'm telling you, it's one for the books, people. This is an episode that is going to change your life if you will allow it. Today, a sermon entitled, Things That God Notices. This is a life-changer, folks. I'll see y'all on the back end of this episode. Hope you enjoy this sermon. God bless. As he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, 
there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And with a loud voice, glorified God. And fell down on his face at his feet. Giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Somebody say a half-breed. This is someone that was partly Jew, but partly somebody else. Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Amen. I want to talk about some things God notices. Some things that God notices. Lord, I love you ask you to help us in the name of Jesus. Minister today, have your way in this house. I pray let the power of God flow in this house. Let the anointing of God minister and move according to the will of God. Let healing flow. Let virtue flow. Let the anointing of God move, oh God, in every situation, every circumstance. Let scales fall from our eyes, oh God. Let our ears be opened. Let the Spirit of God speak expressly to us today according to the riches of your glory. And somebody shout in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands into the Lord one more time? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In our text, I know sometimes it is dangerous to preach from popular verses because we feel like that everything that can be extrapolated has already been extrapolated from the text. And so, it's difficult preaching from texts that people already know. And so I want to look at something and I hope that you would not turn a deaf ear. But Jesus comes to a village. He passed uh, through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. In other words, he was kind of on the outskirts of both of these cities. Galilee's here, Samaria's here, and Jesus is in the middle on the outskirts, not quite in either town, and he entered into a certain village. This is not just a town, but it's just a small village. And when he enters into this village, there were ten men that were lepers. Now, this he knows because in biblical times, they had to identify themselves as lepers. Now, later in the text, we learn that they had already experienced some of the more progressive signs that become visible. In other words, perhaps their skin had already begun to turn colors. Perhaps pieces of their flesh had already 
already begin to rot off and so therefore they would wrap themselves in clothing uh, and shrouds if you will to help hold their skin uh, to keep from bruising themselves uh, or cutting themselves or nicking themselves because uh, with leprosy you did not heal huh? if you cut or bruised uh, nothing had a chance of healing and so these men the Bible recognizes uh, that they are lepers uh, and they stand uh, at a distance uh, from Jesus Christ now if you don't recognize this leprosy was uh, very contagious leprosy was could be contracted with a simple brush uh, or a touch uh, or, or something uh, of that nature and uh, uh, any exchanging if you will of contact was caught uh, or thought to be a contagious element uh, of leprosy so lepers had to identify themselves lepers had to stand back uh, away from anybody that approached them in other words uh, if I drew close uh, it was under the law uh, that the leper must withdraw uh, in other words wherever I want to go uh, I'm free to go uh, but the leper had to withdraw uh, he could not come into the city uh, he could not stand uh, in the temple he could not go to the seashore he could not accomplish anything that he wanted to accomplish uh, because everywhere he went uh, if somebody else showed up uh, he must pronounce uh, I am unclean uh, and I am a leper please don't come by here it was a very ostracized life it was a very isolated life if you will and the Bible says that when Jesus come into this certain village uh, that they lifted up their voices uh, and they began to cry out uh, they should have been crying unclean uh, they should have been crying don't come over here but instead uh, they began to cry Jesus uh, master uh, have mercy uh, on us and when he saw them uh, he said unto them without hesitation Go and show yourselves unto the priest. First of all, Jesus noticed beyond a shadow of a doubt. I want to talk to you a minute about things that God notices. Jesus noticed that these men were not okay. Wouldn't matter their disguise. Didn't matter that they didn't holler unclean. Didn't matter that they were not wrapped in leprous garb. Jesus understood that these men are not okay. Can I get? Can I just preach an absolute truth for a moment? That you don't hide anything from God. That when you come into the house of God, Jesus is the first one that will notice you're not okay. You may hide it from your neighbor you may hide it from your friend your kids may not even recognize it but Jesus notices when one of his own is not okay why are we wearing facades why are we wearing face masks when are we going to get honest and say Jesus have mercy on me because I'm not okay too many times we come into the house of God and we want everybody to think uh, that we're okay. Uh, life is hell uh, at home uh, and we all can tell. Uh, but we want everybody to think uh, that we're okay. Uh, we act like we got it all together uh, and the only person we're fooling uh, is ourselves uh, because Jesus always notices uh, when one of his children uh, are not uh, okay. What would happen 
if you begin to realize I'm not hiding anything. What would happen in this house if we begin to realize, uh, oh, can I, can, I, oh, can I dig a little bit and y'all not get offended? Uh, Jesus saw what the last thing you saw. Jesus saw that lie you told. Uh, Jesus saw that hardness of heart uh, when you refused to forgive. Uh, Jesus saw that little place uh, that you wish nobody would see. Uh, that little idiosyncrasy about you uh, that you wish nobody would ever find out. Uh, oh, you can fake it. Uh, but Jesus knows all too well uh, the blank stare. Uh, he knows the silent look. Uh, he knows that I'm not okay shroud, uh, if you will. Uh, and he always notices. Uh, he doesn't notice to be judgmental. Uh, he doesn't notice to kick you out. Uh, he doesn't notice, uh, if you will, to crucify you. Uh, he notices uh, so that he'll know exactly uh, where he needs to minister to. Uh, he didn't ask the man, uh, do you want uh, me to make you walk? Uh, he simply said, uh, do you want to be made whole? Uh, he didn't ask the lepers, uh, do you want me to heal your leprosy? Everybody could see that, uh, including Jesus. Uh, he just said, go show yourself to the priest. Now, if you don't know the history here, it was the priest that had the determining factor. See, a lot of things we don't pick up on in modern day church, but it was the priest that had the deciding factor if they could come to town or not. And what would happen is the prey would go to the priest and the priest would examine them. He would look all over their body for marks, scars, sores. If you get in the Old Testament, Jesus said, and, I, and you have to look it up, but he said basically if the sore is red on the inside and white on the outside, then you're okay. But if it's white on the inside and red on the outside, then it is a leper and you are unclean. And it was the priest's job, uh, if you will, to look upon uh, these leprous spots, it would call them. Uh, these leprous places, they would call them. Uh, it was the priest's job to determine uh, if they could come back into the city. Uh, and see, the noticer understand, realizes that I'm not talking about that book. Uh, I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Uh, he realized they don't need anything uh, except to know, uh, to go show them to the priest. Why didn't he ask? Don't you want me to heal you? Don't you want me to cure your leprosy? What do you want me to do for you? No. You want to know why? Because Jesus notices. He notices when you walk in and your lip is dragging. He notices when you walk in uh, and your left leg is hurting. Uh, he notices uh, when your feelings uh, have been sore. Uh, he notices when things are not uh, like they ought to be. Uh, he knows when you're down. Uh, he knows when you're discouraged. Uh, and one word from God can turn your life around. He simply says, and I got to hurry. He says, go show yourself to the priest. That in itself is quite the request. You're asking me to go show the man that kicked me out of town that I'm now healed. You're asking me to go show, and here's, here's what you need to catch. He didn't say you're healed. Go show yourself to the priest. He didn't say you've been made whole. So go show yourself to the priest. He just simply said, go show yourself to the priest. In correlation, by the time you get there, you'll be made whole. Now that may not sound like much to you, but let me put it in application. 
How often times do we have to walk on a word from God when we don't see the results immediately? When we don't see that we're being healed, we don't see the, the sore dry up, we don't see what's taking place. This is what he's saying. I know you don't look healed, but go anyways. I know you don't feel healed, but go anyways. I know it doesn't look like I've done very much, but go show yourself to the priest. And somehow they begin to walk. But this time, they're not walking by accident. They're not walking the same way they used to walk. How do you know pastor? Because they're walking by faith. And the Bible says that as they begin to walk, they noticed that the leprosy was healed. What would happen? Isn't that what Jesus asked us to do? To leave where he's at and start walking as if it'll be there by the time I get there. Can you imagine? I mean, that's what he asked Abraham. Abraham sacrificed Isaac. Uh, and he gets all the way up to the mountaintop. Uh, and he says, the Lord uh, will provide. Uh, he's a boy. He says, hey, hey, dad, where's the sacrifice? Uh, the Lord uh, is going to provide a sacrifice. Uh, and while Abraham's walking up one side of the mountain, uh, God's got a ram uh, walking up the other side. Uh, and Abraham, when you get there, uh, the ram will already be there. Uh, isn't that what God is asking us? Uh, that when you walk out of this place today, Hey, I'm going to make a way for you. God, how do I know? You just keep walking. And as you walk, when you get there, I'll be there. It doesn't matter if you're surrounded by mountains with a Red Sea on front of you and the Egyptians behind you. If you get there, then I'll be there. If I've got a part, oh, I've got to talk to somebody. I'm not being ugly, but I gotta tell you in the Holy Ghost, there's some of you that are about to quit too soon. You're about to give up too soon. And God said, listen, you better hold on because there's some things in your life that are not come to pass yet. But if you ever hope them to come to pass, then you've gotta keep walking. You've gotta walk when you don't feel like walking. You've gotta go when you don't feel like going. You've gotta be when you don't feel like being. You've gotta get to the place that says I'm gonna walk. And when I, oh, but I'm not just walking uh, give me somebody that has some faith uh, it says when I get there God's gonna be there when I get there God's gonna I'm not healed yet but when I get there I'm not for a rich yet but when I get there I'm not delivered yet but when I get there oh I know I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just be honest with you. When I first came into my calling, I, I don't mind telling you, I left, a, and I'm not bragging, okay? I'm not, I left a lot of money. I left a lot of dreams. I left a lot of wishes. I left a lot of friends. Why? To answer the call of God. And people would say, oh, how are you gonna make it? I don't know. But when I need it, gotta be there. How are you gonna sustain yourself? My father-in-law, it's his daughter. He said, oh dear God, don't do this. Have you lost your mind? Are you crazy? How are you gonna make it. I don't mind telling you. He was always wondering how are you gonna make it. Pops, I don't know. But when I get there, if I'll just keep walking in faith, then what God said was gonna happen was gonna take place. I may not know when. I may not know how. I may not know who. But if I can just keep walking, then God will do what he said he would do. 
Isn't it amazing what could happen if somebody decided, I'm just going to do what Jesus said? Here's, here's what you don't see. Listen to me. Go show yourself to the priest. Well, I'm still a leper. No, they just kept walking towards the priest. Go show yourself to the priest. Well, everything's not fit in my life. No, you don't see that. They just start walking. How come we've gotten to a place where when God tells us something, we, we, we have, understand, we have went backwards and, and we start telling God why we can't do this and why we can't do that and why this will never work and why I can't afford this and I can't afford that and I can't give this and I can't do that and I can't get here and I can't get there. God, I'm not good enough for this and I'm not leader enough to this. And I, I, why do we give God excuses instead of walking by faith? Isn't that what faith is about? You know, I mean, isn't that what we're supposed? I mean, I'm not trying to be ugly, and I got another point I got to make before this thing closes out. But, but you know what walking by faith is about? Uh, see, walking by faith says, though uh, I'm in the valley uh, of the shadow of death, uh, I'll fear no evil, uh, for Thou uh, art with me. Uh, thy rod uh, and Thy staff uh, they comfort me. Uh, thou anointest my head with oil; uh, my cup runneth over. Can I help somebody this afternoon? Uh, the reality reality of it is if you're going to walk by faith the elementary response is you've got to keep walking you you can't stop if you're walking you can't quit if you're walking if you're walking you've got to keep walking because somewhere in the middle somewhere in the midst then there's going to be a line that is crossed and healing's going to take place and deliverance is going to come and virtue is going to flow why? because you made up your mind I'm going to keep walking you imagine what would happen if somebody said, I don't know, I'm not where I need to be now, but I'm going to keep walking. I'm not going to give up. Since when has not being perfect an excuse for giving up? Let me help you out. I haven't been perfect yet, Brother Ricky, but I refuse to give up. Does that make sense? I haven't arrived yet, Brother Jerry, but I refuse to give up. Everything in my life is not fixed. Everything in my life is not perfect, but I refuse to give up because I've learned if I just keep walking, if I just keep pressing, if I just keep moving, then somewhere God is going to answer. I know, I know it sounds crazy, but David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley. I'm not stopping in the valley. I'm walking. I'm not giving up in the valley. I'm walking through the valley. I'm not stopping short in the valley. Oh, how many lives could be different if they would have never stopped short? How many lives would be better today if they'd have never stopped walking? Don't be fooled. It won't turn out any different. You've got to keep walking. The only way it works is you keep walking. The only way you can fix it is if you keep walking. The only way God shows up is if you keep walking. The second thing God notices is those that keep walking. They were the ones that were healed. And then one notices, I'm healed. Now watch this, and I'll hurry to a close. One says, I'm healed. He turns back. And at first you get the opinion that he's just a turn of direction 
You read the first verse and it says that he turned back and with a loud voice said, thank you, Jesus. But then the next verse throws you off. It says, and he fell down at his feet. So in other words, he had walked. And I don't know, he was already afar off. Right? The Bible told us he was already afar off. And then when Jesus said, go sow yourself to the priest, he got even further. And when he noticed, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Hey, hey, boys, something's happening. I had a scar right there. This finger wasn't there a while ago. There's some stuff that's happening. And he turns around and he runs. And he gets back and he says, Jesus! And falls at his feet and begins to worship him. And Jesus notices something else. It blows my mind. Because I'm the bad guy for preaching this. And I'm going to be the bad guy today, okay? Jesus looks and doesn't say, Whoo, you're so awesome. Thank you for worshiping me. He doesn't look and say, Whoo, high five, man. That's the way to do it. Thank you. It's not what he says. He looks down at this one ex leprous worshiper and says, Huh. Wasn't there 10? Pastor, you mean Jesus noticed? Who doesn't worship? What? Wasn't there ten that? You know what that tells me? Jesus has an expectation. Now we don't like to talk about that. I know I'm the bad guy. Go ahead, throw tomatoes. I'm good. I know. No, no, it's supposed to be about Jesus doing for us. Honestly, there's two things I can find in my Bible that Jesus come looking for. One is lost souls, and the other is a worshiper. Understand? And when one worshiper out of ten, Jesus doesn't get impressed and say, oh, well, at least there's one. Jesus says, sure, dear God, there should have been two or three. If there was two or three, at least I'd be in the midst of them, but there's just one. And he says, was there not ten? In other words, where are the other nine? Because God has an expectation. It says, hey, I did what you asked. Now, where is my worship? Oh, I know this is not going to go over well. God, help us right now. But I delivered you. I healed you. I set you free. Where's my worship? I brought you out. Where's my worship? God, the other ten, they had a wife and kids. I don't care. Where's my worship? But they got a job they had to go to. I don't care. Where's my worship? I've only got one that's worshiping. Where are the other nine? Can I, can I step out on a limb for just a minute? Uh, let me help you. Oh, God, come here. Where are you going? Oh, God. Oh, Lord. We're driving this old car. My wife's got a ratty old car. God, I need you to give us another car. Oh, God, give us another car. God, if you'll just make a way for this Lincoln. Oh, I'd like to get my wife a Lincoln. Oh, she's got a Hyundai now. But, God, if you could just give her a Lincoln. God says, okay, I'll give you a Lincoln. Lincoln's junk. Oh, God, get us out of this Lincoln. Oh, God, if you could just get us out of this Lincoln, I'll never buy another Lincoln again, God, if you'll just get us out of this Lincoln. 
What you want, son? Well, God, I just want to get my wife a new car. You know, I just want us a new car so it would be dependable. And, God, you just make a way. God, you just make a way. Oh, okay, God, got a new car now. And here's what. I can keep going. Oh, God, my boy. My boy's not breathing right, God. Oh, God, I need you to fix him. The doctors don't know what's wrong. We're at Texas Children all night, God. I need you to heal my boy. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, God. Oh, Lord, if you'll just get me out of this trampoline. I know the cops are around. God, if you'll just deliver me out of these drug lords and this drug mess I've gotten myself into. God, if you'll just help me, I'll live for you all the days of my life. God, you'll never have to do anything else. Oh, I mean, I can keep going. Oh, God, if you'll just let me preach. God, I don't, I'll never turn down nothing. God, if you'll just help me, I'll preach it. I'll give it my best. I'll do whatever I can do. I'll give it everything I got, God. Everything I've mentioned to you, he got a new car. His wife drives a, a new Dodge Journey. Well, it was new when he prayed about it. Now it's older. His boy was in the hospital last year at this time. God got him out. Didn't need surgery. Didn't need nothing else. God healed him. Oh, yeah. He's a youth pastor at our Beaumont campus. The sole youth pastor at our Beaumont campus. The other Brother James has stepped up to college of career, and he's the Ignite youth pastor. Preaches every Wednesday night, teaches Sunday school every Sunday morning. Head of security. God's using him greatly and ministering and helping and preaching and doing everything. God got him off that trampoline that night when he laid face down, begging God, don't let these drug dealers see me because they will kill me. Don't let the cops see me because they, am I telling the truth? Don't let the cops see me because they will arrest me. God, if you'll just let me get out of here, then I'll I'll live for you. And God brought him out of that. Uh, I'm not being mean. I'm not, I'm not, this uh, last Friday, oh God, his wife texted me and said, Pastor, if he don't do something about these floors, there's going to be another hole around here and it's going to be in his head. Uh, and so I, uh, I, I, I said, all right, Bubba, we got to do something about those floors. Uh, so we get over there and God blesses him uh, and he has brand new floors in his house uh, and we put them all in uh, and God blessed him uh, and God made a way uh, where there seemingly was no way uh, and God healed uh, and God blessed uh, and God delivered and I can tell you time and time again but let me ask you do you think if God noticed that there was nine lepers missing don't you think that God notices when one blessing goes without worship when one blessing goes and God looks down and says wait a minute I blessed you with what you asked me for where is my worship well pastor that that sounds, that sounds crazy, Pastor. God wouldn't say that. He said that just as Jesus in red, the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Uh-huh. Not on a good day. If you ain't got nothing today to worship him for, worship him for what he did yesterday. If you, I promise you, there's some blessings in this house that haven't been worshipped for. I promise you, there's some breakthroughs in this house that haven't been totally assured. God, I'm thankful for what you've done in my life. We go around. Well, Pastor, how do you know? Because when we come to church, it's, God, do this for me. God, I need you to fix this. God, I need you to cure this. God, I need you to deliver this. What about that pay raise you just got? 
Have you really worshipped God for it? Oh, boy. What about that pay raise you got? Wasn't here a month, and I pay raised him. I said, man, I'm going to do the best I can by you. Have you praised God for it? Like, not being ugly. We ask for it. God does it. And we think, oh, well, thank you, God. That's... The Bible says this man was afar off. In other words, he was a long way. In other words, it was closer to the priest than it was back to Jesus. And only one said, I'll do the hard thing. I'll go the long road. And I'll bow myself to worship Him for what He's done. And Jesus noticed. Wasn't there ten blessings? I, I know I had ten pieces of glory leave me. Why is only one returning back to me? Don't you get it? Even in the book of Revelations, we're going to get a crown for everything we've done for God. But the Bible says when we see Him, we're going to take that crown that summarizes everything we've done in this life and we're going to lay it at Jesus' feet because of everything that he's done for us. For the first time we'll realize I wouldn't be youth pastor if it wasn't for him. I wouldn't be youth pastor if it wasn't for him. My boy wouldn't be breathing if it wasn't for him. We wouldn't be driving a car if it wasn't for him. God, I just come to say thank you. What would happen if somebody who's afar off would say not today? God, I thank you for the air that I woke up to breathe this morning. God, I thank you. I don't mind telling you. There's not a day it happened last, last evening, the Friday evening rather. I come home from Cleveland. I come through this way. And that first light on this porch is not working, by the way. The other two are, but the first one's not. We've got to fix that bulb. But I come home, and I drove down this way. And I saw the new bulbs we put in in the sign were still on. And I saw our light shining up on the cross. And our light that we leave on here is crossing. Sister Boone, I saw the yard look mowed. It looked so good. And let me tell you, I forgot to say this, but thank you. Our bake sale brought $306 in to the vision fund. Isn't that right? And I said, thank you. I said, thank you. You want to know why I say thank you? Because a few months ago, I said, we're going to finish strong. And Sister Boone said, hey, let's do this thing. And I passed by and the yard looked good. And the lights look good, except that one is burned out. But other than that, the lights look good and the sign looked good. And I said, God, thank you for our winning campus. God, thank you for every life that is being changed. God, thank you for every soul that is coming in. God, I thank you for... I thank you for Sister Lakin. I thank you for Sister Grayson. I thank you for Sister Vera. I thank you for Brother Ricky. I thank you for Sister Hatcher. I thank you for Brother Andrew. I thank you for Brother Jerry. I thank you, God. I mean, I'm not being mean, 
but y'all can actually see the projector. I mean, you can read that, right? God, thank you for our new projector. Look behind you. The praise singers can read their words on that television that somebody gave us. God, thank you for that television that somebody gave us. We got a brand new soundboard that is back. and We don't have the sound problems that we were having. I thank God for that soundboard. I'm not being ugly. I'm not being mean. But I'm telling you, God notices when glory leaves out of Him and a worshiper doesn't come back. He notices when He does something. But nobody says, hey, thank Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank God. I know y'all don't think as much, but I'd rather give my money to Velocity every Thursday night than I had Whataburger or Market Basket. I know people, I cook at home. That's fine with that's fine, but I'd rather give it to a kingdom of God and a youth group that could use it to understand what I'm saying. I'm not being ugly. I'm trying to be honest. God, I thank you for I thank you for what he's doing in the house of God. What about you? I don't have time to even pull everything out of this, but I feel the Holy Ghost is wanting me to stop right here. Jesus answered, not Paul, not Peter, not John. Not even Judas. Think about it. Jesus answered, said, were there not ten cleansed? He didn't stop there. He wants to drive the point home. He says, where are the other nine? He wants to know where you at. I did what you asked me to do. Where are you at? Little boy, he was at service this morning, wasn't he? How much more does God got to do for you to live for him? You're here. Just what you wanted, full time. Ministering every day, working side by side me. Right hand man, I love you for him. Wife, totally supportive, hand in your back. Saying, let's do this thing. Working, I mean, worked her fingers to the bone with other ladies, not just her. Worked her fingers to the bone with Sister Cassie and Sister Vickery and Sister Deborah. And, and, and I mean, just everybody on meals and corn and potatoes. And they were so good again, Sister Lisa, so very good. And, and, and not, I mean, I'm not trying to make big ones and little ones. I'm just saying, how much more does God got to do? Were there not ten blessings in your life? I guess what Jesus was asking is when is it enough for you to fall down and worship me? When is it enough for you to take the long road back and say, God, thank you for what you've done in my life. What if this Christmas season I know it's maybe it doesn't mean much to you but when I drive up and see this yard mode I weep Sister Kim had to ask me she said Pastor what's this Ziploc bag full of money I said that's vision fund Sister Boone did a bake sale 
And I wept. And I said, thank you, God. No, it doesn't. Some of you probably don't even care. But Sister Cheyenne, when I see your mom have to leave on Thursdays, and she could just stay gone, but she comes back. And says, no, I want my children in the house of God. If it's just 10 minutes, it's 10 minutes they didn't have before. And when I see her walk back, I'm like, thank you, God. Thank you for a mom that said, hey, God, you gave me these kids. I'm not going to waste them. I know it's just, what would happen? What would happen if at the start of this Christmas season, Instead of wondering what God was going to give us under our tree, we started worshiping him for what he's already done. How many blessings have went, and I'm closing, how many blessings have went unchecked in our lives? How many miracles have went unworshipped? You wonder why every service, Pastor, let's worship, guys. Let's worship. I brought Brother Scooter in today to say, hey, Brother Jerry's been sick. Won't you come help us lead worship? Brother Jerry, we've been praying for you. I knew you'd been sick. And I said, won't you come help us and, and lead worship today? Why is that important? Why, Pastor, it ain't no big deal. Because the most vital thing we can do, he turned 30 today. Isn't that right today? 30 years old today. I wonder how many of those years. I don't know what 30 times 365 plus 7 leap years is, but I wonder how many of those days was scooter. We failed to turn back and say thank you Jesus. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for the times that I prayed and you answered. Thank you for the blessings that I did not deserve. Why? Because God notices those things. Not making it up. I, I, I could keep going, but he said, were they're not 10. And just in case you missed it, he said, so where are the other nine? And he answered and said, there are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. In other words, this half-breed, this person who's not even a full Jew, is the only one. Psychologists, psychologists, I'm sorry, historians will tell you, I apologize, I didn't mean psychologists. Historians will tell you that the probability of the other nine died of leprosy. That when Jesus looked and said, arise, go thy way, and watch this, thy faith hath made thee whole. The Greek word there is different than being healed. It is a complete emotional, physical, 
and spiritual wholeness that the other nine never got. Thus teaching us the lesson that what I fail to worship God for, I will ultimately lose. I wonder how many blessings that have went unworshipped in my life. I told someone the other day, I've got a 16-year-old girl. 16 years, God has blessed me. I couldn't be more proud as a dad than I am of that girl right there. And there's not a day that gets by me that I don't say, God, thank you for Sydney. God, thank you for Celine. God, thank you for Sierra. Thank you they're not in the hospital right now. Thank you they're not sick right now. Thank you they're not ailed right now. God, I thank you. Why, Pastor? Because I don't ever want to lose them. And things that I am unthankful for, I ultimately will lose in my life. I wonder how many blessings. As we start off this Christmas season, this ain't even my Christmas service. Y'all can't wait for it, can you? As we start off our Christmas season, what if we started going, what can I give to God? Because he's blessed me. I don't want any blessing to go unreturned by worship. Because I can't help but believe. I told you, God notices when you're down. He notices, hear me, where you hurt and when you're scared or nervous or fearful. And he notices when you don't worship for what he's done. That's why worship's so important. Because God's looking down going, hold up, I blessed him this week. Where's that glory going to return to me at? I made a way for them. Where's the glory that's going to return to me? And what I ultimately do not worship God for, I will eventually lose. And so I want us to stand all across the house. I don't know where you're at today, but I want to, this is a different altar, I know, but I want to open the altar for a worshiper today. For someone that would come and say, you know God, Maybe I didn't even realize you would notice such things, but oh God, forgive me. Thank you for the house I live in. Thank you for the clothes that are on my back. God, I thank you that, Lord, I'm not sick. I've got health that I can rise and go to work. I thank you, God. Speaking of work, I thank you for my job, God. 
that allows me to put food on the table. Speaking of food, God, thank you for that food. I wonder, has God done something for you? That if you were to get honest, you haven't went the long way back and said, thank you, God. And as Brother Andrew begins to sing, I wonder if there'd be somebody. I open it. This ain't a, you're a sinner and you're dying lost. I'm just asking, is there somebody in this house that would come around an altar and say, God, I just want to worship you for what you've done in my life. I just want to worship you, God. Hey, everybody. It's Andrew Emerson back with you here. Just want to take a few minutes to talk about this sermon. Um, this truly was one for the books that I believe just really changes uh, a lot. Uh, just a convicting sermon. I think the biggest word that I can think of after hearing this sermon is awareness. It's been something that I've been harping on uh, for the last few months is awareness. And uh, just being aware of my gratefulness. It really raised a, an awareness about my gratefulness. Am I truly grateful or do I have a pessimistic negative attitude or outlook on life? It's truly, uh, this message has truly inspired a lot of thoughts and um, mindset changes in me. Truly convicted me and I, I know if you stuck it out and listened all the way to the end, it did the same to you. The biggest point uh, that really stood out to me and just blew me away is uh, something that we often overlook is that Jesus noticed the nine that did not turn back and worship God. How powerful is that statement? How did Jesus feel in that moment after he had healed ten lepers and only one had the awareness to turn back and worship Jesus Christ. Truly, only one leper understood who he was, that he wasn't just a man healing, but he was God in the flesh. And he said, I don't need to show myself to the priest. I'll go back to him, the high priest, the, the priest of priests, put it that way. How powerful and convicting is that? I was thinking about that and talking about being content. Paul said, godliness with contentment is great gain. And in fact, everything we have in this world, we didn't bring with us when we were born. And it is certain that we will carry nothing out of this world. Everything that we desire to have, everything that we do have, our boats, our four-wheelers, our guitars, our our fishing poles and our clothes and every little hobby, every little thing, every little trinket, everything that we have, my iPhone, my iPad, my devices, they're all going to burn with a fervent heat. Doesn't that give you hope today as some of you are out shopping for Christmas and you're buying a new gadget for your for your wife, or you're buying a new toy for your son or your daughter, doesn't that give you hope <laughs> that you're going to go spend it on something that somebody wants? And, you know, 
I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not saying go return the device or turn, return the toy. But I think Paul makes a very good point, as always, and he's talking, notice, to a younger pastor, Timothy. And he says, hey, Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. How powerful is that statement? If we could be grateful for the things that we have and even for where we are in our life, how much more of a blessed life could we live? Remember, Jesus said that if you're faithful over little things, I'll make you ruler over many things or even great things. I just believe that part of being faithful is turning back to say thank you and being grateful for what we have and where we are in our life. How powerful would that be in your life if you could change your mindset? That you said, you know what, I've, I've been ungrateful lately. I've been kind of wanting and, and needing and always wanting a new thing. And there's nothing wrong with wanting or wanting a new device or wanting to upgrade, if you will. But what if you were content? How much more could you gain in your life? Amen. Amen. What a powerful sermon. What a convicting message, life-changing message from Pastor Carl Vickery. I appreciate our pastor. appreciate you, the listener. appreciate everybody listening to the podcast, all those that are subscribing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. It's coming upon us. And uh, if you haven't already subscribed, do so. Hit subscribe. Turn your notifications on. Don't miss one single episode. Don't miss an opportunity that could change your life forever. Amen. We're always going and we're always growing. Amen. Love you. God bless you. I'm Andrew Emerson with Calvary Tabernacle. I will see y'all next time.